0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe. On 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe.
1: If you read the articles that are now coming out on ESPN.com in the New York Post, there's plenty of people in this Mets locker room who have a lot to say. They just don't seem to want to put their name to any of the quotes. Cowardly. The season's a disaster. You're taking shots at a future Hall of Famer and Justin Verlander. But you know what else you got out of those quotes? No name attached to them. Requesting anonymity. Why? If you're going to say something about somebody else, put your name to it. Who's the unnamed Met who called Verlander a diva? Who's the unnamed Met who called out Marcus Stroman after Stroman shut them down earlier this year?
0: Why are you afraid to put your name to it? You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: All right, as we continue along on this beautiful Sunday morning, we transition. Well, we'll transition from one problem to another. A lot of Mets talk in the first hour. Let's get into... Yes, a problem, but a team still with a a sliver of a chance to do something with their season. That is the New York Yankees. It's Sunday Funday on 98.7 ESPN, presented by Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier takes cocktails from ordinary to unforgettable, adding a layer of sophistication to some of the world's most well-loved cocktails. Let's talk Yankees now. Max Goodman, who covers the team for NJ.com and the Star Ledger, joining us, I believe, from Miami. Is that correct, Max?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here uh, outside Lone Depot Park, Pat. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Great to spend some time with you this morning. Uh, Interested to get your insight on on what's going on. And and we'll start with what you wrote, and I just saw you post it a little while ago after another feeble performance by the offense yesterday, Max. And it's interesting because the way you phrase it, and I completely agree, on a team that's starting rotation essentially consists of a Cy Young candidate and a solid pitcher – in Clark Schmidt and nothing else, that somehow is not their biggest problem. After yesterday, their biggest problem continues to be their offense. Max,
2: absolutely. the The rotation is in shambles. They've lost so many big key pitchers. I, I, I look back to the uh, the graphic that Yes Network put um, on TV back in spring training, showing their starting five with you know Severino, Montas. Uh, Rodon and and Cortez and and Cole of course and and really Cole has been the only one that's worked out from that group. Um, they are now playing music outside the ballpark. I mean, uh, oh maybe not. Okay, um, but yeah, you know the the offense has been uh, an issue for them really all season, right? And and they've gone through their their lumps, their highs and lows. They've been a better team when they've had Aaron Judge out there, but it's a it's a ball club that's reliant on their best player, and other than some you know, flashes from Anthony Volpe and some hot stretches every once in a while from a Giancarlo Stanton or, or a DJ LeMay, some of the role players have contributed. But really, overall, it's just that's been the, the part of this team that's that's holding them back. And I look back to last offseason, right? That was the reason why they didn't beat the Astros in the playoffs, the offense. And yet they didn't go out and address it. So I, I think that that should be priority number one going into this offseason.
1: Max, when Judge came back in Baltimore a couple of weeks ago, it seems immediately like it was a different team. They were pitching around him but he was still getting on base and it just seemed like he gave the rest of the lineup more confidence that he was there. But but unfortunately for the Yankees through the series in Chicago, through this series in Miami, it continues to be more of the same. I don't think that the return of Judge has had the same impact that everybody was hoping it would. You know, we were kind of sitting back all summer saying, "Well, hold the fort until Judge gets back and he's come back max and they basically continue to run in place
2: exactly and and that's that's the thing you know one player can only take you so far and i think that you look back to last season and they were reliant on judge as well and possibly exceeded their their realistic expectations because they had a player that had one of the best single seasons in recent memory with 62 home runs and then winning the mvp and sometimes just putting this roster in a backpack and carrying them for weeks at a time and that's why they got as far as they did. I mean, I, I think that it's pretty clear looking at how this team performs against starting pitchers, right? You can, you can zoom the lens into just that. And, of course, Sandy Alcantara is a reigning Cy Young Award winner. So last night, you know, yeah, he's going to have a great game. He's regressed a little bit this year. But that's a fair excuse to a certain extent. But you still have to beat those kinds of pitchers if you want to get to the promised land here, right? Like, if you get to the playoffs, you're going to be facing those types of aces and and top-of-the-rotation-type arms on a routine basis. And, you know, last month, this team was getting shut down by Chase Stilsets and and Griffin Canning, Chase Anderson, and, of course, Jamison Tyone, which that was the one performance that was really the the nail in the coffin for for fired-hitting coach Dylan Lawson. So this team hasn't proven all year that they can consistently out-hit their opponents, even when Judge has those, three hit games and hit some majestic home runs the offense overall isn't performing around him and they're certainly not doing it for two three days in a row at a time
1: they're 60 and 57 max you look at the standings Seattle's red hot so they're clearly in the mix right now but because Toronto's lost three games in a row you know you look at the standings in the wild card the Yankees are four games behind the Blue Jays they have games left against that team to try to make up and they got to jump over Boston, they got to jump over Seattle. Is it still realistic to think that this team can do what is necessary to get one of those wild card spots and really it would be the third wild card spot.
2: Absolutely. I think it's going to come down to Toronto, Seattle and New York for that third and final spot. And as much as you can really rip this organization into what we've seen so far this year and they deserve criticism top to bottom but at the end of the day they they totally can make the playoffs if they get hot at the right time right now if they somehow string it together the offense maybe turns things around the the pitching staff in in the rotation got johnny Brito and randy vasquez maybe they pitch well clark schmidt continues to excel and the bullpen is is the best in all of baseball so this isn't necessarily a team that you would want to face in a playoff series certainly a a three-game series if you've got Garrett Cole and, and Schmidt and maybe Rodon figures it out. I mean, that's a it's a tough team to face if the offense is rolling. And on paper, yeah, they have the the talented players to get it done. It's just do we really believe that they're going to play, you know, 10, 12, 15 games above 500 over these last, you know, 45, 46 games of the season? And the the schedule moving forward is it's an uphill battle. They've got to go to Boston, go to Toronto, go to Tampa, go to Houston you know just in the next couple of days going to be in Atlanta that's you got to win those games so as as Boone likes to say and I know it's infuriating for this fan base but the Yankees do to a certain extent hold the pen here and and it is in front of them right because they can sort of control their own destiny if they play really well the rest of the way I think they will get that third spot as much as the odds are very much against them but that doesn't mean that they're going to go deep and 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 win a world series right you know maybe the al is open but it would take quite a reversal across the board for this roster to get deep into october and just to make it to the playoffs alone
1: max goodman covers the yanks for nj.com and the star ledger joining us this morning from miami it's the rubber match of the three-game series between the yanks and the marlins and the yankees essentially have to win this game because garrett cole is pitching and For the rest of the season, when Garrett Cole pitches, you have to win this game. And that leads me into my next question, the rotation. Cole is probably, especially with McClanahan out, I would say the frontrunner to win the Cy Young Award this year. He's been fantastic. Clark Schmidt, I think, after a rocky start, has given the Yankees everything they could have hoped for and more. But talk to me in the immediate future, Max, about the rest of the Yankees' rotation beyond those two guys.
2: Right, we hinted at it a little earlier. You know, we're not going to see Frankie Montas the rest of the way. I think Luis Severino's days are numbered as much as he is penciled in to start on Tuesday against the Braves, and we'll see how that goes. You know, worst ERA in the big leagues for Severino, best offense and most high octane World Series caliber lineup playing against him. So, so that could get ugly, or maybe he turns it around. You never know. Uh, and and Carlos Rodon is is on the mend. He threw a bullpen here in Miami yesterday. I think he should be back within the next week or two barring any setbacks you know right when his 15 days expire so you know we're looking at a rotation with cole schmidt and then johnny brito and randy vasquez are going to get their opportunities we might even start to see michael king get a little bit of of work he's stretching out to to be used in more of a starter's role and it's it's just all hands on deck right i mean they went out and they traded for keenan middleton at the deadline and they got jonathan loizaga back from the injured list so that bullpen is is tremendous and it's like Thanos adding another infinity infinity stone because they already have the best ERA but they've added a couple more high leverage arms back there so I think we'll see a lot of moving and shaking by uh, by Aaron Boone in terms of maybe using openers like they've done the last few days or going to the bullpen earlier if those young arms that I mentioned are, are possibly on the ropes but it, it's going to take a comprehensive effort to, to get there because this offense isn't scoring that many runs right when they scored nine in the the series opener here in miami it was a it was a rare outburst and then of course they they snapped back to reality with one the next night
1: randy vasquez has pitched four games so far he's got a 1.89 era i i thought he's looked really good every time he's pitched so far do the yankees possibly have something with this young pitcher
2: it's certainly possible Uh, he's he's highly touted he's been a you know a top 30 prospect for a while Uh, off the top of my head i think he's Number 14 in the Yankees system per uh, MLB pipeline. But you look at the rotation for next year, and I I mentioned a lot of those names. Right now, it seems like it'll be Cole, Rodon, Cortez, and Schmidt in the rotation, you know, looking ahead to opening day next year. That leaves one empty spot. And if I'm in charge of the Yankees, I'm attacking the offense and trying to make the lineup better this offseason in terms of trades and investing some money in free agency, that's not necessarily conducive to going out and signing another big name starter. As much as I think maybe they would try to go after a veteran just to have another sure thing in case injuries come down the road. I I totally could see Randy Vasquez, you know, continuing to develop over these last couple of months, take another step forward in the winter. And if he impresses in spring training, he could, he could take that last spot, right? I mean, I don't think we're going to see Domingo Vermont come back from, from the uh, adversity off the field with the, um, alcohol abuse. So it looks like it's either Vasquez or Brito, or maybe some other top prospects like a uh, Will Warren or Clayton Beater, who are both in AAA. Maybe they can take a step forward, but I think Vasquez is, is certainly a front runner as of now.
1: But you look ahead to next year, and as frustrating as this season has been for Yankee fans, and you acknowledge that with Boone's comments seemingly you know on repeat after every game, it's been frustrating. the The problem I see here, Max, is whether they make the playoffs this year or don't. A lot of the issues that face them right now are still going to be here next year. Guys that are getting on in their careers, guys that aren't on good contracts. So as you look ahead for this Yankees team, what what is your biggest concern for the Yankees next year and beyond?
2: Well, you hinted at it a little bit. It's the roster construction. It's the the heavy contracts that they've invested in guys that are clearly on the decline the the Rizzo's, the Stanton's, the, the you know Donaldson is going to be off the payroll, but that trade hasn't exactly worked out as much as Isaiah Connor falefa has found his own in a, in a utility role, but he's going into pre-agency too. So I think that there is a reason to be excited when you look at the top level of, of the farm system. You know, Everson Pereira has kind of come out of nowhere uh, in the outfield. He's, he's been a top guy for a while, but he is tearing it up with uh, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre right now. I think he could potentially be a, a candidate to start and left, you know, will the Yankees finally use Oswald Peraza, uh, another middle infielder that, that wasn't able to play short because of Anthony Volpe, who continues to develop, but maybe he starts to, you know, carve a role for himself at second? Do the Yankees trade Glaber Torres to, to upgrade at another part of their roster if, if Torres doesn't factor into the future because he's only under contract for one more season next year? So there is some talent coming up, and I think that the way that this team can take that step forward because they're not going to get out of a contract like Stanton's and and Lemayhu's under contract for several more years. They've got to lean on that young talent because I do think that the Yankees will be apprehensive to add a ton of money this off season because they're right up against that third and final uh, luxury tax threshold and they don't want to go too high over that. They already have the second highest payroll in the league and as much as, you know, fans want this team to go out and, and make things happen, how Steinbrenner has invested quite a bit of money. You know, it's right up there, almost at 300 million. It's just that the product hasn't matched the the financial investment that they've made, and I think that that's a huge concern. And you can point fingers all the way from Steinbrenner to Brian Cashman to Aaron Boone to the rest of the coaching staff and and down to the players. It's been a a failure this year. Certainly, if they don't make the playoffs, uh, but they can turn it around next year. It's just they've got to make the right decisions and they've got to hope that certain key players that are young. Start to develop and take those steps forward.
1: Do you think there's a chance we could see Pereira in the majors this year?
2: Definitely. Yeah, I think that he's playing his way to a to a roster spot, possibly a September call-up when when the rosters expand. Uh, and and if anybody goes down with an injury, I feel like he's the next man up. And he might have even leapfrogged Peraza on the uh, you know Scranton shuttle depth chart in the sense that. Isaiah contreras Falefa has shown that he can play in the infield and he's been great at third base. One of the Yankees, honestly, their most consistent and reliable offensive contributor this entire summer, other than Labor Torres, which is remarkable as it is. But Pereira's numbers, go, go look him up. I mean, he's hitting like almost 350, and, and he has slug and, and pop and a little bit of speed and plays good defense. Uh, it seems like he's on his way. And, you know, they've got the role players out there like Billy McKinney, Jake Bowers. Uh, Greg Allen has barely played, so that's a situation where maybe after a certain point you would cut ties with Allen just to, to get another more stable contributor in, in, in the lineup and on the bench. But I certainly think that we can see him before the end of the year, and that was also reported by s uh, SNY's Andy Martino a couple of days ago, too.
1: Couple more minutes here with Max Goodman, who covers the Yanks for NJ.com and the Star Ledger in Miami. As the Yanks send Garrett Cole to the mound today, looking for the series victory against the Marlins. First pitch just after one thirty this afternoon. Uh, the rotation. So, do we see Cortez the rest of the season?
2: I don't think so. Uh, he's you know he's got the same injury that he had earlier, which forced him to miss. I think it was it was two plus months, the rotator cuff strain. So right now his. His diagnosis and what he told us the other day is that he's going to be shut down for the next three to four weeks, and there's only seven-ish weeks left in the entire season, right? So for a starting pitcher to have a no-throw for a month and then start to ramp back up, there's really no sense in rushing him back. I guess in theory they could have him come back as a reliever and just not build him up to the pitch count that they would need him to start with. And in that sense, you know, you start with catch play, you build up to going on a mound, you throw your bullpens. You go on a rehab assignment, that's, that's a, a month-long process for a starter. Maybe he does it as a reliever, but you don't want to risk something further for a guy that's, that's now had, had you know, some serious shoulder issues this entire season. So I don't think we see him again, but we do definitely see Rodon, uh, barring any setback with his hamstring.
1: And when do you think we could see Rodon? What's realistic for his return?
2: Well, he, he didn't even want to go on the injured list, right? He was fighting to, to pitch through this injury because it was only a, a low-grade hamstring strain, and he's continued to throw. So he never shut down, and he's still, in a sense, ramping up his pitch count from the, the original injury that he had. Um, so I think that he's going to come back in the 15 days. I don't remember the exact day that he went on the IL, but the plan that, that we've been told is that he'll be back as soon as his 15 days expire and he can slot right back into the rotation. So that's a situation where I could see him taking Severino's spot and then they would keep Vasquez and Brito in there pitching either as, as starters or openers. But we'll see how Severino does on Tuesday because the roster flexibility favors, you know, demoting Brito or Vasquez and keeping Severino around as much as he's, he's struggled mightily this summer.
1: And Max, now that we're two-thirds of the way into the season, what is the general feeling on the season that Anthony Volpe has had?
2: That's a great question, right? Because it's it's been... It's been quite a bit of highs and and quite a bit of lows. I think that when you look at his his numbers externally, you know, he's hitting just over 200. His OPS, I, I believe, is right under 700. He has 15 homers and and 20 steals, and he's the only other rookie um, since Alfonso Soriano in, in Yankee history. Only only two rookies to have had 15 homers and 20 stolen bases. So he's he's showing the tools. He's actually been one of the best defensive shortstops in the majors as well, with 11. Defensive run saved. I think that's third in the league. Um, but he's going through his growing pains. You know, I talked to hitting coach Sean Casey the other day, and he spoke eloquently about how this is a kid that's going to be a perennial All Star, but he just needs to continue to learn from those around him in this clubhouse and and gather these experiences, taking close pitches and and working at bats against these talented starters that he's facing. And you know, I asked Judge the other night, "How can Volpe take this to another tier?" And he said. Just give him a thousand at bats and he's going to be something special. So I think we're starting to see the potential and the reason why the Yankees didn't go out and sign a, a big name shortstop in free agency these last few years. They've kept that spot for him. And look, he's only 22, right? So not everybody's able to be a rookie of the year and a superstar right away. You're seeing those flashes. That can he take the next step to make the flashes turn into just consistent, um, you know, glimpses of, of brilliance and, and develop into that all star, you know, possibly next year or, or the year after that?
1: And lastly, Max, just give me a thought on Garrett Cole because we're four years into his contract and he's still not the most popular guy. I think a lot of that stems to the wild card start in Fenway Park two years ago when he didn't get out of the third inning. He's still not the most popular guy among Yankee fans, I get the sense, but four years into that contract, just give me your overall feeling on how that investment has paid off for the Yankees.
2: Right, I think that... Garrett might be one of the most underrated pitchers in major league baseball, which is kind of funny considering just how much money he's making and how big of a name he is, you know, coming into that contract that he signed, being the, the Yankees white whale. They they finally got him trying to trying to get him in the draft, trying to get him in a trade from Pittsburgh, finally getting him in free agency. And, you know, if he was a free agent right now, he'd probably make tens of millions more than he signed with the Yankees because he's continued to, to show that he is a top five, if not the very best starter in the league. And he's certainly shown that for stretches this season. And, and like you said earlier, he's, he's en route to his first Cy Young of his illustrious career, possibly a, a Hall of Fame career, right? So seeing him operate every day, it's, it's a joy to watch. He has a very quirky personality and, and can be so intense on the mound, but a, a jokester behind the scenes. In the clubhouse, seems like he's a great fit and a leader behind closed doors with this group, along with Judge. You know, really paving the way for for this team to have the semblance of success that they have this summer. But you know, where would they be without him, right? Because this rotation has been in shambles, and right now, Clark Schmidt's your your number two starter. Cole has been carrying this pitching staff through the the slings and arrows that they've faced all summer, and, and the injuries. I mean, his numbers don't even do it justice. So. You know, I wonder if he considers opting out when I, I think it's after next season he has an opt-out in his contract. He would certainly be, be due for a, a pay raise. But also, right, he's a huge Yankees fan. He, he loves being here. He's got a family growing up now uh, in the, the tri-state area. So I think that he'll stick around and, and possibly go down as one of the best Yankee starters if he continues to pitch this way through the rest of his contract.
1: Max, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line.
2: Absolutely. Have a great Sunday, guys. Thanks for
1: having me. All right, that's Max Goodman. A good follow on Twitter as well at Max T. Goodman covers the Yanks for NJ.com and the Star-Ledger. And yeah, that's something that we haven't spoken a lot about, but Garrett Cole does indeed have an opt-out after next season. And at that point, he would have four years and $144 million remaining on his contract if he continues to play at this level. Now, he would be 34 years old In the 2025 season, but would someone give him a five-year deal worth a little bit more than $36 million annually? That's the last thing the Yankees need, because if you look at the Yankees roster, the only sure thing they have, and I'm only saying only for Garrett Cole because of Aaron Judge's health status, the only sure thing the Yankees have right now is Garrett Cole. He takes the ball every five days throughout his Yankees career 90% of the time, he has given them an above-average performance. This year, he has been the best pitcher in the American League. He had his first year in New York was 2020, and that was the COVID year. That was the 60-game season. There were no fans. He got off to a shaky start. His second year ended in disaster at Fenway Park when he didn't get out of the third inning in the wild card game. Let's be honest, that 2021 Yankees team wasn't going anywhere. Last year, he was better in the postseason, and throughout his four years now in pinstripes, he has been really, really good and consistent during the regular season. Thank God the Yankees have him. Because the Yankees are still in a position where they could talk about the playoffs like it's reality. And the biggest reason for that is Garrett Cole. But it's getting late. There are seven weeks left in the season. The Yankees are four and a half games out, and they have to jump over three teams to get into that final wild card spot in the American League.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. The problem
1: always with the Yankees isn't their lack of spending money. It's They have spent very, very poorly. I mean, you take on a contract like Josh Donaldson's worth $25 million, I understand you wanted to get rid of Gary Sanchez, but not at that cost. And all of those between the Stanton contract, which was never going to age gracefully, the DJ LeMayhew contract. Now, I'll admit that I am caught off guard by his significant drop off since the Yankees signed him. And actually, at the time that they signed him, I thought it was a very team-friendly deal at $16 million per year. The Rodon contract, it's nice to hear that Rodon is still throwing and didn't want to go to the injured list. He's been a complete disaster. All of that bad money that is still on the books. Aaron Hicks for $10 million. Luis Severino, who's been the worst pitcher in baseball, for $10 million. All of that money, the Yankees have spent that. The Yankees have spent money. So the Yankee fan can't sit here frustrated and say, oh, the Yankees don't want to spend on this team. They don't want to spend more than they have already. And that's the problem. That is the way that things are done under Hal Steinbrenner and under Brian Cashman. Steinbrenner doesn't want to go over a certain threshold. And Cashman in recent years, let's call it what it is, has shown an inability to take the resources that are provided to him and put a World Series caliber team on the field. By the way, enter the ESPN New York no-hitter sweepstakes for your chance to win $25,000. Find the no-hitter tile on the ESPN New York app, pick a team, and submit your entry. Today's qualifier is Sue McHale from Spotswood, New Jersey, who has chosen New York's National League team to throw a no-hitter today. Presented by Mohegan Sun, Casino.com for full contest rules. Go to espnnewyork.com. The Yankees' success throughout their history, well, really since the advent of free agency, the Yankees' great success has been that they were able to bludgeon the other teams financially, they were always able to overspend. And when you are always able to overspend, you become overly reliant on that philosophy. Especially when that philosophy shows results. And the 96 Yankees were endearing to so many. And that was the start of that five-year run in which they won four World Series in five years. That was endearing because that was a team built largely from within. And that was the only time since really the start of the 1970s that the Yankees were in a position that they could tear down and build from within. And the reason for that was they had gotten so bad and hit rock bottom. They were the worst team in Major League Baseball in 1990. And George Steinbrenner was suspended. So Gene Michael was in charge. He had the time and the authority to to do it his way. And by 1996, they were the world champions. But then the Yankees also used their greatest resource, which is their money to keep that team together. Most teams, I shouldn't say most teams, there are there have been other teams that have built from within that have become championship caliber teams. The Oakland A's did it in the 70s. They did it again in the late 1980s. But when you, the Kansas City Royals, Mets fans, You remember this? In 2015, they built from within, and they became world champions. The Cubs in 2016 built from within, became world champions. But those teams, especially the Kansas Cities and the Oaklands, the Baltimore Orioles, by the way, are going to face this in about three years. Those teams can't afford to keep that group together. The finances don't allow it to. So everybody always liked to point to the Yankees, of the late 90s, early 2000s, that they were a homegrown team. They were a homegrown team. But when it came time for them to get paid, whether it was Pettit or Jeter or Bernie or Paul oneill I know O'Neal wasn't homegrown, or Posada, Mariano, those guys stayed together because the Yankees were able to outbid everyone to hold on to their players. And yes, they were homegrown, but you still have to be able to afford to keep them once they become free agents. That's what the Yankees had to do with Aaron Judge last year. The Yankees, because that was their philosophy, overspending more financial resources than everyone else, the game is not conducive to that style of management anymore. It has been evened out dramatically through the years, through luxury taxes, through spending thresholds. For example, the Mets are over a certain spending threshold, the quote-unquote Cohen tax, so whatever pick they get in the draft, they've got to move back 10 spots because of overspending. So if they get the 15th pick, they move back to the 25th pick. It makes it very difficult to win simply by outspending teams. So how do you have to win? You have to develop. And the Yankees never learned how to develop because they never had to learn how to develop. They developed when Steinbrenner was out of the picture, when Gene Michael was running things, and they developed so well that the guys they developed during that stretch carried them to a 15-year period of prosperity. And they were able to continue to build on that success and continue outspending other teams. But the game around them while that was going on changed. And all of a sudden, if, as you got into the 2010s, and then 2015, and then 2020s, the Yankees' success started to erode. They used to be a championship team. Then they started just making it to the World Series. Then they started just making it to the ALCS. Then they started making it to the ALDS. And then a couple of years last decade, 2013, 2014, 2016, they actually missed the playoffs three out of four years. In 2016, they rebuilt, they reset, and they started spending money, or they continued spending money, and that got them to a point where since 2016 they have been in the playoffs every single year. But again, not the consistent success that they enjoyed a generation ago. 2017, ALCS Game 7. 2018 ALDS, 2019 ALCS Game 6, 2020 ALDS, 2021 Wild Card loss, 2022 swept in the ALCS. 2023 most likely out of the playoffs. They don't know how to develop from within because they've never had to develop from within. And something needs to change because they've been doing it the same way now for 25 years. They're doing it the same way, but the game is not played or run the same way as it was a generation ago.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs)
1: All right, back here on seven ESPN New York. Paddle O'Keefe with you till noon. Larry Hardesty to follow. So we have, we have a Yankees lineup for the rubber match of their three-game weekend series in Miami against the Marlins. Jake Bowers leading off at first base. Aaron Judge in right field. Glaber Torres at second base. Stanton is the DH in batting fourth. Harrison Bader in center field batting fifth. Billy McKinney in left field. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at third base once again. No DJ LeMahieu. Kiner-Falefa seventh. Anthony Volpe eighth at short. Ben Rortfett behind the plate. bats ninth. And Garrett Cole is on the mound. And as I have stated many times this morning with the state of the Yankees rotation, Cole and Clark Schmidt all of a sudden is your number two starter. You really do need to maximize the games that Garrett Cole is on the mound for the Yankees. 140 first pitch from Lone Depot Park in Miami. Well, football season is back and you have the chance to be part of the action by winning tickets to Jets training camp on Wednesday, August 23rd with premier seating and complimentary food and beverage. So just be caller number eight. Eight in honor of the savior right now at 888-987-ESPN and you will score a pair of tickets courtesy of your local Honda dealers. Visit your local Honda dealer for a great deal today. Honda is a proud partner of the New York Jets. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. Let's go to the phones and check in with Mitch in East Windsor. Mitch, what's going on? Good morning, Pat. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Mitch? Pretty good. I guess money doesn't buy everything, as
3: both Mets and the Yankees can attest to
1: that. They are spending, but, uh, just not but, wisely.
3: Right. But with the salary cap, baseball, of course, will never go for a salary cap. Um, both of your teams have a well balanced offense, especially the Giants. It's like almost it like night and day comparing to the, the Giants of this year with the sign of uh, the tight end, Darren um, Ball, and how they drafted and you got one of the best running backs for at least another year. Um Giants have a quarterback. I think he's been there for quite a while. So I don't have to do draft him one. And we draft for backup. I guess you should draft a quarterback every every year, they say, right? Well, they used but to. The the Jets...
1: Giant, when, when Eli was their quarterback, the Giants did draft a quarterback in the middle to late rounds every year.
3: Right. And I guess there's no harm done on any team to take that philosophy. Um, but the Jets... They, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I hope he plays Tom Brady. He's excited to watch. Maybe um, so. I mean, they, and the Jets have only drafted at most three quarterbacks, homegrown. You could say. I mean, Joe Namath was great. He was been great. He, had, he probably had, a, I don't know, more talent. But uh, those days were different. Richard Todd and Moss Sanchez. Hopefully, the next quarter they draft for the future, they get it right. But I think um, both New York teams, football teams, are going to make the playoffs. I think, and um.
1: Thanks for for the call, Mitch. I would agree with that. If you ask me, will both New York football teams make the playoffs? I would say yes. I think, you know, the common thing you hear about the Giants is that they could be improved, but take a step backwards because the schedule is more difficult. And it is because the Giants finished in third place last year. They weren't, they won't be playing a last place schedule like they did last season. They also play against the AFC East, which is one of the best divisions in football. The NFC East is one of the best divisions in football. But still, if you look around the NFC, you know, you've got Philadelphia. You've got Seattle and San Francisco atop the NFC West. Green Bay takes a step back. Minnesota takes a step back. Detroit, they're probably on the rise, but are they markedly better than the Giants? I don't think so. I think the NFC South is a disaster. There are spots. For the Jets, it's more difficult because there's just better teams. There's better quarterbacks. I still think the Jets do make the playoffs. I think the Giants make the playoffs, but I don't think it's going to be easy on either front. Let's go to Adam on Long Island. Adam, what's up? Yes, hey, good morning.
3: Good morning. Um, So I would like to um, say I'm happy that Steve Cohen is treating his team like a business, which he knows well bringing in the president who's like the CEO and he's going to help evaluate and change any type of operations that need to be changed. Now, the one place that needs work is obviously their scouting system. They're not doing something right. Teams like Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, they do it right. They're able to scout properly. So I think you need an overhaul. And I would like to know, like, seriously, where are we finding players? Are we just looking in our backyard? where Steve can put the team out to Puerto Rico, to Japan, to Dominican Republic, and maybe bring Lindor with him. And let's evaluate the talent, and let's bring in some young guys.
1: Adam, I think, and thanks for the call, that Steve Cohen is still learning this business. And last year, and this is the danger with immediate success, last year came very easy for the Mets. And it was essentially... It was his second full season, but he took over right before the start of the 2021 season. Last year was really the first full year where he had been the owner and entrenched in that spot and had his fingerprints on the team and had his general manager of choice and had his manager of choice and everything that they did until the final two weeks of the season worked out, including the Scherzer signing. You finally got a healthy year out of Jacob deGrom. Alonzo was Alonzo. Lindor had a bounce back year McNeil had a bounce back year I went through all this before it was everything went well and it came very easily to Cohen and then you had to make a couple of tweaks you know important guys like Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett and if you read these articles that are coming out of the Mets clubhouse trying to detail everything that has gone wrong this season Chris Bassett was an important guy in that clubhouse last year And nobody talks about his absence as a big factor for what's gone on. But you essentially replace Chris Bassett with Jose Quintana, who didn't play until July because of injury. Or Kodai Senga, who's been fine, but Chris Bassett sounds like he was an important voice in that locker room. And it came so easily that Cohen thought he could just run it back and do the same thing this year. And he is now learning that spending is only half the game. You need to develop from within. You need to build an infrastructure. And in the span of 96 hours, from Robertson to Scherzer to Verlander, he got you the structure of a farm system that if 60% of those guys pan out, the Mets are going to be much better off in two years. And then you have to continue to build around that. We'll continue with this as we uh, come back on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Well, you've heard all about it. Hard Knocks is ready for takeoff. The Emmy-winning HBO original docu-series Hard Knocks Training Camp with the New York Jets is back. This season gives fans unprecedented access to the most talked-about story in football. Can Robert Salas Jets with new four-time MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers and a squad of emerging stars – and prominent veterans become a playoff team again. Hard Knocks is now streaming with new episodes every Tuesday on Max. Congratulations, Eve Macklin of Hillsborough Township, New Jersey. She won our Jets tickets for training camp on Wednesday. Eve will be out there with her son. So congratulations, Eve, and thank you for listening. Uh, a lot of excitement surrounding the Jets. Obviously, yesterday, uh, 27 to nothing win. Over the Carolina Panthers, Uh, rough first outing for the first overall pick in the draft, Bryce Young. He completed four of six passes for 21 yards. The Jets' defense was dominant. Zach Wilson starting for the second straight game, looking really good for the second straight game. 14 out of 20 for 123 yards. He was sacked one time. Israel Abanakanda, who so far, the rookie out of the University of Pittsburgh, the fifth round draft pick, who's from Brooklyn, New York, Lincoln High School in Coney Island. So far, this preseason, Abanakanda has been the primary ball carrier. 12 carries yesterday for 56 yards, also three receptions for 31 yards. Michael Carter had a couple of catches. Kenny Yaboa had a couple of catches. Jeremy Rucker had a couple of catches. But the Jets' defense was the story in this one. The defense, and let's be honest, Zach Wilson. And Wilson has become an overlooked guy. But the one thing I'll say about Zach Wilson, when you say that he's a complete bust, yes, the Jets picked him second overall two years ago. If the Jets didn't pick him second overall, I'm not saying he would have been a top three pick or a top five pick. Zach Wilson would have been a first-round pick in the NFL draft by... Some team, even if it wasn't the Jets. So the fact that people were willing to give up on him after two years, and I think what you're seeing right now from Zach Wilson is promising. We'll hear from Zach, we'll hear from Robert Sala, and we'll talk about the Jets next on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.